0: Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 147 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's episode, we analyze the 42-35 win for Virginia Tech over Louisville from Saturday, and I'll ask Will and Chris what the bigger storyline is, the success of the offense, or potential concern on defense. Episode 147 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast. It is great to have you with us. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher. So many great ways to consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're so glad you could join us today as we record on Monday morning, November 2nd. We've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, with us, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes taking your questions on YouTube for the end of the show, and I am your podcast host, Evan Hughes. This week and every week, the Tech Sideline podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day, or evening, toll-free. The number is 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. Gentlemen, today was the first day of... Uh, since March, I've had to wear my Michelin Man marshmallow-looking jacket. It is cold. It is
2: windy, and it looks like it is that time of the year. As soon as it hit November first, the wind started blowing 30 miles an hour. It's amazing. It amazes me that, like, way back in the day when like the settlers came over the mountains, maybe they came in the summer and they're like, "Oh, this place is really nice. What nice <laughs> weather in the summer!" Like, but when winter hit, why? Why they? Did, didn't they all just like turn around and go back? Because <laughs> go back this place is, is Make brutal. this a summer home? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, oh, this was a bad idea. Let's go back to the beach.
1: <laughs> so I got all excited because I got up this morning I looked at my weather app and it's going to be like, sunny and in the 70s for like the next two weeks i'm like oh this is great sounds great for columbia right? no way yeah yeah i say something to my <laughs> wife about it and she's like no it's not And i'm going oh man see i was in columbia south carolina this past weekend and my weather app was still showing me columbia
0: also i do think later in the week it is going to get back up into the mid 60s so Uh, At least it was warm on Halloween. Hope everybody had a a great Halloween, got some trick-or-treating in, and enjoyed Virginia Tech's 42-35 win over Louisville. We're going to analyze the entire game. We're going to talk about the offense, the defense. We're going to get to your questions on YouTube at the end. But we begin today's show with some big news around Tech Sideline. For that, here's our founder and general manager, Will Stewart.
1: I guess it's big. I don't know that it's going to really make a difference for our readers and viewers and all that stuff. Uh, we have started a lease on a, an additional office space. I don't want to use the phrase a new office space. It's an additional office space. Um, so if you're, if you're looking at me am I on my own camera, Malcolm, I assume I am, right? So right through that wall, that way, is another office. Um, and the uh, gentleman who used to have his office there, Brett Malone, Brett became president of the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center a few months ago. So he moved out of that office, and Brett and I had talked a number of times about us taking that office space over so it's official we've signed the lease so uh why are we doing that because uh, everything looks great to the outside world right and uh, not so much um so we what we're going to do is we're going to move chris and i out of the tsl office over into the new office space and buy some furniture and computers and uh and this room that we're in now that the podcast set is in is be- is going to become dedicated to audio, video production and facilities and that sort of thing. Um, So Malcolm and I are going to do a video later on this week that shows you the rest of the TSL office, not just the uh, podcast set. And you'll see that we are cramped here. And uh, we've got some pretty ancient equipment also. So we're going to kind of show everybody that and and show you why we're uh, taking over a new office space just for the working part of our operation. So I bring all that up because, uh, yes, that is an additional expense. And, you know, people have been great about sticking with us through the pandemic. And and even when there was uncertainty about whether or not there were going to be any college sports at all, you know, everybody kept renewing. Not everybody, but the the vast majority of our subscribers kept renewing and kept going. So I toss that out there to, uh, you know, to ask for your continued support and in in subscriptions. If you haven't subscribed before, uh, give us a shot. I give you a really simple personal guarantee. We we don't do trial memberships, you know, the one month free thing. I suppose at some point we will do it. But what I tell people is just subscribe for a month for 8, $8. 49 a month. If you don't like it, let me know and I'll give you a refund. It's really easy. But so if you haven't got on board and you're thinking about it, do it. Uh student subscriptions are 29.99. We've got them and regular subscriptions are 8 49 a month and 84.99 a year. So Give it a shot and we're real excited about that. We've got uh furniture on order that should, I think, be delivered later this week. So um we're really looking forward to that.
0: Become a subscriber at Tech Sideline. You can read Chris Coleman's article. CC on Sunday, Virginia Tech gets back to winning against Louisville. Very detailed article and we are going to talk a lot about what he wrote about on episode 147 of the Tech Sideline podcast. So on Saturday, Virginia Tech made a rare trip to Louisville. They knocked off the Cardinals 42-35 to and improved to 4-2 on the season. Hendon Hooker did not have an incompletion through the air after he tossed three interceptions and a loss to Wake Forest last week. Khalil Herbert ran for nearly 150 yards. However, the Hokies defense gave up 548 yards. Will, what's the bigger story from the game on Saturday? The offense bouncing back and scoring 42 points, or the defense giving up 548 yards?
1: That is a good question. Um actually for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna dodge the question. And I'm gonna say that that what a lot of my uh Money Thoughts article is going to focus on later on today is how ready Virginia Tech was to play. I thought they showed up ready to play mentally and emotionally. And and that can change the course of an entire game. And I, you know, Louisville got the ball first and I immediately noticed, well, the very first play from scrimmage, Justice Reed runs a stunt right up the middle untouched and and sacks Malik Cunningham. And I, I thought that really set the tone, you know, and it's interesting. So, we'll segue into talking about that defense um i i just thought they looked really active i thought they got a lot of penetration yeah they gave up 548 yards but i thought and i, I don't want to go on and on because i know we'll get into more detail later but i see uh i see growth in the defense i see potential um as far as the offense goes, Evan, I, I liked the return of the running game where they, they ran the ball something like fifty times and mm-hmm. only passed at ten. I don't know that you want to do that every single game, but uh, um, I just I, I liked what I saw out of the offense too. And and I can't honestly, I can't pick one or the other. Which one's the bigger story? That's yeah.
0: all right. That's why we've got Chris Coleman here, uh, Chris.
2: I'm going to ask you to pick one. What's the bigger story? I would say the offense getting back. Um, because the defense giving up 543 yards, 548, it, it's not that surprising. And, and honestly, it's that game was like the Miami game from last year. You jump out to a big lead.
1: Exactly. Like
2: And a, then there's almost. a, and then there's a fluke play before halftime. Right. Remember Miami ended last season with a hell Mary
1: mm-hmm.
2: right before half.
1: That, that's the famous fist bump between uh, Mark Jones. Right. And, right. Right. And Dusty, uh, whatever his last name is. Dwarf. Yeah.
2: So it was pretty much just exactly like that Miami game last year. Yeah. Uh, and you see that in college football, one team will get a will jump out to a huge lead, and kind of the rest of the game they just
1: just kind of hang, just kind on. of hang on. hang on. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And exactly. So I, I think I think the offense getting back on track is is the bigger story. I'm seeing progress from the defense, and we'll get into that later. But you know, the, this is going to be a Virginia Tech team, and we already know this that's going to have to score some points to win games. So they had to get back on track, and they did.
0: I'm really excited to analyze this game because going back and I, I listened to a little bit of our preview podcast from Thursday, previewing Louisville and Virginia Tech, I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, what to expect from Louisville's offense uh, being explosive but then sometimes sputtering and then the defense and our, the score predictions from all three of us actually were, right. were, were pretty close to what ended up being 42-35. to 35. Let's start breaking down the game. Let's start on offense, and I want to begin with Hendon Hooker. Two weeks ago against Boston College, put up some of his best career numbers in an individual game against Boston College. He ran for over 150 yards in that game through three interceptions against Wake Forest and a disappointing 23-16 loss. So how does the Hokies quarterback respond? 10 of 10 through the air for 183 yards. He carried the ball 19 times on the ground for 68 yards and three touchdowns. According to Damian Salas, the webmaster at Virginia Tech, it's the first time a Virginia Tech quarterback has not had an incomplete pass in a game, minimum eight attempts, since his stats database was started in 1987. Chris, what
2: grade does Hooker get for his performance on Saturday? He gets uh, probably an A to an A minus. I say A minus because, like, you remember when he threw the tight end screen to James Mitchell, but it was a fake pop pass up the mm. middle? So mm-hmm. I don't know whether that was an option to throw or it was a straight up fake all the way. You know, if that was an option that he actually made the the, the wrong option, he should have thrown it over the middle to that pop pass, right? Yeah, because Khalil he, Herbert right, was running right, wide open, but, uncovered down right, the middle. But but if he stuck to uh if he stuck to the play call and didn't ad lib it, then then you know he gets an A yeah. because that, that that was a very, very good performance. Uh they didn't ask him to, to throw it all that much. Uh he was more accurate this week. That, that that throw he made to Robinson on first down in the second half. I don't remember if it was the third quarter or the fourth quarter, but it was like a deep I think it was third counter. quarter. Yeah, yeah. That was on point. And I think that was might have even been like a play action It didn't really fool the Louisville defense, but he still put it right over three three defenders exactly where only Robinson could catch it. So
1: now uh, now i I'll I'll go on record as saying I didn't like that play call. Right. I mean, it worked out, but just because a play works out doesn't mean it was a good play call. Well, um,
2: nobody wants run, run, pass,
1: well, right? I know it, you know, but, <laughs> but I just remember when he dropped back and chucked that ball downfield. I thought, oh man, you know, yeah. and, and and it worked great. He put it right on the money, and Robinson That's went what, out and got you gotta it. You got to pick your spots if you're a tech
2: offense because if you have to throw it 30 times, I mean, just but look, they had to throw it 30 times against Wake Forest and North Carolina, and they lost both games, and they yeah. threw it 15 times against Boston College and 10 times uh, against Louisville. Because they were running the ball and they didn't have to throw it, so that that that's ideal. If if you're getting over twenty throws a game, and especially if you're hitting up close to thirty, that's a bad sign. <laughs> but, like if you just want to look at the box score without looking at the actual score, if you want to do one of those, you block out the score and just read the box score. If it says Tech through it thirty times, you'd probably be like, uh oh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, I th- I think hun had a very had a very good game, and actually his preliminary PFF grade is like a ninety two. Ooh. Which might be better than I forget exactly what his Boston College grade was, but it was at that point was the highest, yeah. highest of his career. So this might be the new highest of his career. So two new highs in in three weeks. In three weeks, yeah. With with, with his worst passing performance ever coming in the game in between. Yeah. So you just don't don't quite know what to expect, I guess. But uh, I, I promise I won't write. An, an article this week saying Hendon Hooker has the best game of his career because I did that last time and it jinxed him. Jinxed.
0: You know, I asked Chris what grade he would give Hendon Hooker and I'm thinking about the grading scale. A 92.6, round that up to a 93, that goes from an A-, a to an A. a. That's mm.
1: a solid A. So so let me, let me, something I was thinking of as Chris was talking, they, they ran a play twice, Virginia Tech did, that I, I think is just a wicked play. Uh, I remember this back back in and back in 1990 when when UVA got to number 1 in the country. I was living in Charlottesville and they had Sean Moore who was just an excellent college quarterback and Herman Moore at wide receiver, Terry Kirby at running back. And they had a really explosive offense and they used to run a play where they would they would they would go to the right and fake the option. So Sean Moore's running down the line, he's got Terry Kirby going with him. It looks like an option and then he would stop right around the tackle and back up and chuck it downfield to uh to Herman Moore. That was extremely hard to stop, particularly if you think about how defenses and offenses were structured back in the day. And Virginia Tech ran that play twice where Hooker, I'm not saying they were faking the option, but Hooker actually tucked the ball and started down the line and then stopped and backed up and threw a pass. And mm-hmm. I've always loved that play. It's just really hard to stop because it looks like a run and then it turns into a pass just like that. It's
2: also like, like Tech runs it. Stuff like that pretty well. Like, I don't know the play you're talking about with UVA. I don't go back that far, but I can imagine that when you've got Terry Kirby and Herman Moore. And, you know, Sean Moore is the worst of those three players, really, when yeah, you think about yeah.
1: it. <laughs> and and the option was a big part of college, college football, football back then, yeah. and UVA used to run the option a lot. That must have been pretty devastating. And, and Herman, man, Herman Moore was like seven feet tall, and you, you didn't even need to throw a good pass, just throw it down there to him in Wa- single coverage. Wanted to come contact. to Virginia
2: Tech but couldn't get in academically, so he <laughs> had to went to UVA.
0: That's a true story.
1: True story. Yep. <laughs> well,
0: let's continue on talking about Henning Hooker for a moment. I want to go back to the Wake Forest game because – he was coming off such a high of Boston College. Then he throws three interceptions. Chris, what what should we make of his ability to bounce back the way that he did from Wake to this week?
2: Uh, I think he's naturally kind of a calm person. He's, he's an even-kill guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, last week when they were down by 10 against Wake Forest and he and Trey were laughing on the sideline at one point and – and he took some criticism for that. I were we asked about that on
1: the podcast? I don't know that we were at it. Well, we, we talked we, about we it in the office. We did not right, bring that right, up on the podcast. Right,
2: right. So that's, it's one of those things where when you lose a football game, you look at his demeanor and you're like, oh, he doesn't take it seriously enough. But if we'd come back against Wake Forest, we would have gone back and said, oh, we came back because he was so calm and cool and collected on the sideline, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think stuff like that gets overblown. But by fans just based on the result of the game I think it goes both ways um, but but I, th- I think he is naturally a calm cool and collected person and people like that uh, like they don't range from up here to down here emotionally uh, they're, they're, I think they're more capable of bouncing back from things like that than uh, than some others
1: um. His his comments after the Wake Forest game they were essentially a, a verbal shrug. <laughs> you know, yeah, this wasn't a good game, but uh, we'll get back in there and work at it and play better next time. You know, and yeah, that that's coach speak and player speak, but in but in his case, it was true. Um, so, how do you bottle that? You know, how do you bottle that and, and open up a can of it um, every single game? That's that's the question that uh, keeps coaches up at night.
0: So against Boston College, Hooker ran for over 150 yards in the 42-35 win against Louisville on Saturday. Hooker, 19 attempts, 68 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. Listen, he has shown, since he's become the starter, his ability to be a dual-threat quarterback. But, Chris, I want to ask you this question because he's been so effective on the ground, and we have seen what Virginia Tech looks like on offense when Hooker is not under center. Is there a cause for concern? To have your quarterback carry the ball nineteen times in a game, even though it's working it, so well,
2: it's it is especially when you know he's he's a big guy, but he's not a uh, he's not like a compact ball of muscle like Gerard Evans or something. Yeah, like. he's lanky.
1: Are, so do, do you have? Uh, I know he's six four, right? Six four two twenty five. 225 sounds big, right? Right, and I bet if you stand next to him, it does look big, right? But it's just when he's on a football field with other football players, right. it doesn't look as six great. four two twenty on the
0: Hokies yeah. roster. Right, right.
1: So, I'd like to see six four two thirty or yeah, six four two thirty five. Agreed. Um,
2: yeah. And you know, some of those are, you know, there were two or three sacks, which aren't obviously called running plays, and then there were probably three or four scrambles, which obviously were not called running plays. I'd like to actually see him start sliding on some of those oh, scrambles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe you actually get a targeting call in one of those too. <laughs> in Virginia's <laughs> ex-favor for once. Keep that
1: tool in your toolbox. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that said, I mean, Tech's got to keep keep running him. It's yeah. an essential part of the offense. Uh, I remember Gerard Evans and Ricky LeBlou did an interview with Gerard Evans, I think it was this past summer, and it was really good. And I remember what – I remember Gerard saying that – I think after the UNC game in 2016, he went to Fuente and said, basically said, I don't want to run the ball this much. So Fuente changed the offense for Gerard Evans heading into the Syracuse game and didn't have him run the ball nearly as much against Syracuse the next week. Virginia Tech ended up scoring 17 points against Syracuse, mm-hmm. one of the worst defenses in the country, and lost the game 31-17. to So Fuente tried to do what was best for the player when it was not what was best for the team. So I want everybody to be happy, but if it takes running Hendon Hooker 20 times a game to win football games, then that's what we have to do. Um, Buzz Williams said it best. He said, you know, I'll always put our players for – I'll always do what's best for a player – as long as it's also what's best for the team. But I, but if I have to do something that's best for the team at the expense of the player, I will. that's, ab, that's absolutely what I'll do. Yeah. And I think Fuente made a mistake there in 2016 when he kind of succumbed to the player's request. And maybe he made a mistake last year by going soft on him up to the duke game and then he went to him and said now we're going to do it my way and see what happens right <laughs> this so is every, guy, yeah. every time he listens to the players it's not good <laughs> turkey bacon. right he, 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 you know I've, I've actually never had turkey bacon i don't think maybe hey, i should try i have it. no opinion on it yeah uh so yeah i mean Sorry. Hinton's so, got to keep carrying the football.
0: No, yeah. it, it, it will. It's certainly working. So that's that's the thing. It's been a big part of the offense. You look at the last two wins for Virginia Tech, he's been a focal point on the ground.
1: And so what? Are we, we're six games in, right? Four and two, and they get five more regular season games. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Four conference games and, and Liberty. Uh, so you start thinking, well, he's made it halfway through. Um, not really, because he really didn't play the first two and a half games. Right. Um, so I, I do worry about uh, wear and tear on him, but uh, he's
2: got that shoulder brace back on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not there before Boston College, and, and it was, I'm
2: pretty sure it's when he trucked that defensive back with his left shoulder. That I yeah. was, but remember, I was like, "Oh, that was a sign that his shoulder's healthy," because he put his left shoulder down and ran over the guy, which I'm sure it was the
1: case at the time, but yeah, now yeah. not so much. Um, so I, I would, uh, you know, but Chris, how how much of Gerard's decision to leave? was the fact we were told at the time that he didn't want to run the ball that much, and that's part of why he left. Um, Do you remember what it said in the the interview that Ricky did? No, I don't
2: remember. He said said his relationship with Fuente is fine. I think they still text and talk and everything like that. So I don't think it's as bad as people made it out to be. The bottom line is I just think Gerard... Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't want to go down that
0: road. How about so, we talk about Khalil Herbert running for 147 yards uh, in the win. How much credit does Herbert and the O-line get
2: considering the fact that Louisville had six defensive linemen out on Saturday? Not as much as they would if Louisville had all their starters. Um, I do think, obviously, now that we're X number of games in the season, six games now, there's so much film on, on Virginia Tech's offense and every offense that...
1: Everybody knows what
2: everybody's gonna do at this point. Like there aren't any secrets. Anymore. Yeah,
1: you can throw tiny wrinkles in. Right, like like right. the play I was just talking about. I haven't seen that yet sure, this year. Sure. Um you can throw tiny wrinkles in every now
2: and then, but you know that Virginia Tech or you know that Louisville is going to run that outside zone stretch play, and you know how they're gonna run it. So you have a better idea of how to stop it. Well, it's the same thing with tech now. Like tech the days of running for 350 yards a game are over because everybody knows what Tech is going to do now. Mm-hmm. And so you're probably looking at 250 yards a game now. Which Yeah, is about sti- 280 the other day. Yeah, yeah. It's still extremely it's really good. extremely acceptable. So, by the way, Virginia
1: Tech's the number four offense in the country in, in, in rushing offense yards per game. I think number one is a Mountain West team that's only played one game. Right. So um, – so, uh, I, I have no sympathy. Like I, I'm
2: sorry that the Louisville guys got COVID or got exposed to COVID or whatever. I'm sorry for them personally. But from a football perspective, like I think Virginia Tech lost a football game because of because of coronavirus, and now I think they might have won a game because of coronavirus. Yeah. So it's all going to even out.
1: And that's the way it's going to go. Um, let's
0: uh, transition over to the receiving core. Big play Trey, four receptions. 71 yards had a big catch inside the red zone inside the 5-yard line actually he was about 2 yards shy of hauling in a touchdown. Will how much more explosive is this offense when Trey Turner is involved in making plays down the field?
1: Um obviously it's a big help. Uh I just I don't think Trey himself is 100%. It's pretty clear. You know, he he got helped off the field again. Mhm um so we, we've heard plantar fasciitis and, and he seems to be okay for a number of plays and then there's that one play where he has to be helped off um so i don't you know you ask about plays downfield trey turner and um you know he's just he's he's still not 100 percent. so there were a couple plays there was one where um he just wound up wide open I, I think they're more a case of blown coverage uh i'm kind of recycling the game in my mind they're there were a couple instances where he was just really wide open. There, right?
2: there, there was a play where they lined up in our shotgun formation with eight in the box, yeah. and every receiver was in man coverage. And in fact, you know they blitz with more guys, tech had blocking, so they got to Hendon Hooker really quick. So the ball was kind of a wounded duck, but Trey was, was so wide, wide open. open, right? Yeah. That's probably um, the play you were thinking about. But I, because I, I, I tweeted after that play, I said. They had eight in the box against shotgun formation. Yeah. You know, we're going to have, like, not to suggest that we're going to have to start throwing the ball all over the field, but we are going to have to make some plays against man coverage here. Yep.
1: And, and they did that. And they did that. You know, you just um, – one of the things that struck me about the last two games is Tech lost the turnover battle three to nothing against Wake and only lost by a touchdown. They won the turnover battle three to nothing against Louisville and only won by a touchdown with Hendon Hooker going 10 for 10. The margin of error is very thin, you know. Um, uh, it's, it, and, and you need every little bit you get. Like I would have to go analyze the game and see, you know, how, how much those individual passing plays mattered. What if you don't make one of those? What happens in the rest of the game?
0: So we just talked about Trey Turner, the impact he had. Someone I want to bring up because I, I feel like he is somebody in the box score who might not pop up as much, but when you watch the game – he has such an impact, and that is James Mitchell, whether it was the the hands teams or multiple <laughs> onside kicks from Louisville in the second half. But to me, I, Chris, I watch this offense, and I see the job that for the most part he does blocking and the job that he does just kind of being out in the flat.
2: How different would this offense look if James Mitchell was not available? Quite a bit different. He's a complete player. You know, he can block, he can catch. He's a smart player, so you can put him on special teams and – Depend on him to make the right decisions and everything like that. So, like, oh, like, gosh, I mean, on a lot of past tech offenses, Mitchell would have been the MVP of the offense, right? And he, like, Darius the best player, Hooker or um, Herbert. Herbert is the, like the most important player. But like, they're they're so that that, that means like Mitchell's not like MVP or best player or anything like that but there are a lot of seasons in the past where he would have been the best player on offense right and that, that's and that's that's a good thing it means we have more offensive talent than, than obviously we used to have uh i'd also like to give while we're on the subject of onside kicks she does a really impressive job on special teams so like that I mean, onside fuente, kick formation yeah fuente raved about that after the game He he does it i mean we were ready for what they were gonna do. We had, we had our guy going in motion, and it was a game of cat and mouse. Like which way is he gonna kick the ball? Like he was gonna kick the ball the opposite way of which our guy in the middle was 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 running. And the he, reason he, the reason we had a guy in the middle, uh, like that is because, you know, you don't want to put that middle guy in a one on one situation. Like like what if uh, what if the kicker just kicked the ball? straight ahead and it became a one on one situation with that one guy right there and the kicker to get the ball right yeah. so you you would kind of like to be able to uh have an extra guy there if if that situation happens but uh the the fact that tech was ready for that I don't think a lot of teams would be ready for that in
0: multiple onside kicks my yeah. you oh
2: yeah, my gosh more than one you know it's i don't think i've ever i don't know that i've ever watched a tech game where You've had to watch three consecutive onside kicks at the end of the game, Yeah. which is a good thing. It, it means you're winning, right? But it's also kind of nerve-wracking, <laughs> especially when it's a formation and, and it's alignment and it's something you've never seen before. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Man. And then I had to see it three straight times. And it was so crazy that, like, you're you're expecting it, like, you're expecting to screw up at some point, right? But But Tech never did.
1: It looked to me like two teams that had scouted each other really well, yeah. you know, that yeah. uh, Tex had to field some on-sides kicks so far, and, and, and Louisville looked like they came up with a plan for attacking that, but Shebist was already ready to respond. So, like Chris said, interesting cat and mouse.
2: L- Louisville's a well-coached team, I think. Now, Louisville's issue is, you know, the announcers mentioned it during the game, um, they mentioned they've had a defensive coordinator for two years in a row now, so they finally have some stability, so the defense has actually improved a bit from last year I just but i I think, and they mentioned before before that that you know Louisville was a revolving door of defensive coordinators. They had a different one every year, mm-hmm. and this is a program that has a lot of money and they they could afford to pay they paid Todd Grantham a million bucks to be their defensive coordinator huh. remember that- oh, uh, yeah. So they, they can pay whatever they want for coaches, generally speaking, because they have so much money. And, but they weren't able to keep a solid, consistent, reliable defensive coordinator in there for whatever reason. And they were changing schemes every year, right? And this is what happens when, when, you, when there's too much change in your program in a short no. amount of time. And, like, I, you look at their defense and they, like, physically – they they look good enough. Yeah, right? they look good. Like those those linebackers look good in their they uniforms. They look good getting right? off the bus. Right, right. And this is not talking about their defensive linemen who were about. I'm talking about their starting senior linebackers that should be good football players, but they're not because they've had the, so many different coaches in their in their careers. Yeah. I think
1: um, there there's something there's something missing with that team. They are now minus eleven in turnovers in four of their five losses. The one loss where it wasn't that way was, uh, I, th- I think, when they lost to Notre Dame, twelve-seven. If I remember correctly, neither team turned the ball over. Other than that, they're just hemorrhaging turnovers. There's something like ninety eight out of hundred and three teams in turnover margin. So, you, you, you I, I agree. Satterfield appears to be a good coach, but what is missing?
2: Uh, I, I thought I do think Tech did a the right made the right decision to blitz a lot. Because as we pointed out, statistically going into the game, Cunningham completed something like
1: twenty six, twenty seven percent of passes when under he's pressure. pressured. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. So you saw that first interception he threw.
1: Jamari Connor came he was right it in. was right
2: in his ankle, yeah. you know, and he couldn't step into the throw. Um, so, what well, it's like we've said, man. There was uh, there were six games of film on Louisville, yeah. and all these advanced advanced stats these days are available to everybody. Yep. So like. Even Joe Blow, like me, could probably say before the game, you know what, we probably need to blitz a lot this week because every time he's pressured, he's terrible, yeah. right? So And and so Texas coaches knew that, and they were well prepared.
0: Uh, quickly, a couple more thoughts on the offense, and then we are going to talk about the defense. But Will Stewart interacting with Brock Hoffman on Twitter <laughs> after the game? we got to dive into that because speaking of Coach Satterfield, who's done a really nice job at Louisville in yeah. just over a year – Brock Hoffman, after the game, of course, this is Virginia Tech starting center, transferred from Coastal Carolina, had to sit out last year, and then is uh, in his first season with Virginia Tech this year, he said, quote, This one was personal, at coach underscore Ledford and at coach sat U of L. I never forgot, and yes, I do hold grudges. Hashtag L's down, close quote which
1: Will Stewart proceeds to quote. I quote tweeted, and I said, really, Brock? I was about to say,
0: not just really, but really really," spelled R E A A A L L L Y dot, 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 tell us more, Brock, which (laughs) Brock Hoffman did respond. He said, quote, told me I wasn't good enough to play for them at App. Then I ended up going to Coastal Carolina University, lost to them two years in a row in some battles, and here we are now with an exclamation point close. Quote. So, so this, I want to talk so about it. His or, or, yeah,
1: to fill in the blanks a little bit. Uh, Brock is from Statesville, North Carolina, which is like 80 miles from Boone where Appalachian State is.
0: So ne- I don't really necessarily want to get into the exact tweet and why, but I'm going to phrase this question based off that uh, Twitter interaction. I'm sure it's got to be valuable to have a guy like Brock Hoffman in your locker room that's not afraid to go on Twitter and, and call out coaches. I'm not saying that's a good thing per se, but we've seen the chip on his shoulder. We saw him smoking a cigar after the first win of the year. It just feels like he brings some nastiness.
1: <laughs> oh, We, we, also, this, uh, we, we also saw him ragging on a McNeil on Instagram after, after tech beat NC state.
0: <laughs> Wait, is there, is there a benefit to having an outspoken guy like Brock Hoffman in your locker room?
1: There's, there's a benefit to having football players act like football players. You know, yeah. it just, it's uh the, it it's, it's it's a line you got to walk you know you want your players to act with class but you also you also like that guy with an edge and that guy with an attitude and i think uh, you know as as the years go by we will we will talk to more people and talk to more of the offensive linemen who actually played or actually playing on this team and the question will get asked you know you guys had a really good offensive line that year how much of it was vance vice and the coaching and your own personal development and how much of it was just attitude that was brought by that guy? It's a legit question. Yeah. And it's not one you're going to get a, get the correct answer to at this point in time. You have to talk to these people two or three or four years down the road after their career is over. You know, it's the same stuff that, that when you talk to the guys that played defense in the early, mid 90s for Virginia Tech, and that defense, when they hired Phil Almastian, that defense gotten better. Like, not, and they weren't immediately a. Uh, uh, a top-ranked defense, but in '93 and '94, they they put a lot more pressure on the quarterback, and they just got better, and the whole team got that got tougher and meaner. Sometimes it just takes one guy, you know.
2: I think Hoffman is one of those guys who's really good at finding ways to get himself fired up. Yep. Um, like he's not similar to to Lynn Bowden, yeah. but he is because, like, I remember last year, like when the Kentucky game got announced and. I did a little write-up about it and put a couple stats on Twitter. And I said, "Bowden's a really, really good runner, but he can't pass, basically, is what I put. And he found it on Twitter, of course, and responded to it and said, we'll see. Right? And then he goes out before the game, you know, the day before the game or a couple days before the game, the week of the game, there was an altercation at, uh, was it the Speedway?
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, at the speedway. So the speedway. And there was also and, some and the, story about Bowden's car supposedly getting broken into, and he blamed it on Virginia oh, Tech yeah, players. Oh, some, yeah, something
2: like that. And then, of course, what happened before the game. So, like, I think there's some people that find extra ways to get themselves fired up.
1: There are people that, they, that live to e- fight. They feed off the energy, uh, the uh, negative energy.
2: Right, and, uh, and it, it's annoying when it's somebody who plays for someone else, and it's great when they play for you yeah um and uh i think hoffman is finds ways to self-motivate himself which is a good thing and as far as the recruiting stuff goes you know virginia tech recruited him out of high school but did not offer him a scholarship and apparently the louisville staff when they were at appalachian state they did the same thing and and from brock brock hoffman's view at least some bridges were burned um he flat out said that they told him he wasn't good enough. Um, apparently, Vance Weiss didn't tell him that. Uh, I guess Vance Weiss probably said, well, we can't offer you because we just don't have the numbers in this class, right? So n- no bridges were burned there. And this day of the transfer portal, do not burn bridges. Don't lie. Don't lie to those Right, because you might, it might not be the only time you get a chance to recruit them. You never yeah. know. Yeah.
0: All right, a couple more thoughts on offense. I know we're running a little long. Then we're going to get to the defense, and we'll get to your uh, questions on YouTube. Again, this is episode 147 of the Tech Sideline podcast. I want to bring up Raheem Blackshear for a moment. Uh, in the game against Louisville, Blackshear had seven carries for 34 yards. He did not have a reception. We're, we're at the halfway point in the season. Blackshear has 221 yards, um, uh, uh, 221 rushing yards on the season and just five receptions. Chris, should what should we make of the half of the season Blackshear has put together so far?
2: Uh, I don't think he's going to excel in a passing game with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. I think mean, we talked about that last week, or maybe I talked about it in the Q and A on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he caught a bunch of passes uh, for uh for Rutgers. Now, if he had a passing quarterback, a natural passing quarterback, a guy who was good in the traditional passing game, I'm confident he'd be catching a lot of passes for Virginia Tech. Um, but that's not that's not who Hendon Hooker is, and I'm, I'm not criticizing Hooker. He's just a different type of quarterback, and and the type of quarterback you have decides the type of offense you run. That's just the way it is. You cannot you cannot fit. A square peg into a round hole um, So I think Blackshear is Getting better In the running game He's obviously looking healthier And in better shape And everything like that He's breaking some tackles He will put his shoulder down To run over you As he saw As you saw the other day um, I, I don't think he's uh, Too dissimilar a player uh, Actually as the Louisville running back They're similar in size I think Blackshear is really really fast He just hasn't been able to get to that edge quite as much but uh you know i, I don't think uh, until hooker makes progress as a traditional passer we're not going to see all of black Shear's strengths in my yeah, opinion yeah i mean
1: it's it, that's a good point and and it's only one game but you know how many uh plays did uh, virginia tech have on offense Evan um, and why you looked at it over threw up.
2: it 10 times
1: well, plus whatever. Hooker Hooker ran at 19 and Herbert ran at what, 21? That's 40 plays right there.
0: 61 plays for Virginia Tech, 65 plays for Louisville.
1: There's only 21 other plays, you know, and you only got one football and you're only throwing it 10 times. And, you know, you, you just – I, th- I think there was a perception when Justin Fuente started here that Virginia Tech was going to run 80 plays a game, and that's just not the way it's worked That's out. not the way
2: it works. And, and, you know, I remember doing articles back then, and generally speaking, the teams that – ran the most plays, that ran the really high up-tempo offenses, weren't winning that much. They had horrible defenses, and they yeah. weren't winning that much. Like Syracuse under Babers was the best example. High-tempo offense, you know, Tech fans don't watch Syracuse play. The only time they've watched Syracuse play is when Syracuse upset Tech mm-hmm. that time and they carried on when Justin Fuente didn't yeah. – when he listened to to Gerard Evans instead of himself, right? Yeah. Um, so, Tech fans saw that game and saw, oh, high temp, high up tempo offense, you know, beat Virginia Tech, but that's just not how it is. Generally speaking, your high up tempo teams, you know, I've run the numbers; they don't win as much as <laughs> as, as teams that run a traditional. Number well, of well, plays. everybody
1: was romanced by you know what Oregon did years oh, ago, You're right? And and you know it, it was new and different at that point in right. time, and and you know now it's not. Well,
2: sure. you know, and the, also the thing about Justin Fuente is. Yes, he has an offensive background, but he has an offensive background in the TCU program. Which, which was a good defensive program. Which was a defense-first program yeah. back in the day. Like I think Fuente is uh, – I think he's got a good grasp of both sides of the ball plus special teams and, and how, how, everything, how, fits how everything fits together. Right. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think a lot of coaches have that entire grasp on, on all three phases of the game yeah.
0: alright so last thing we're going to do before we take a break and then we still have to talk about the defense Okay. it's been a great podcast, a lot to break down we're halfway through the season Virginia Tech is 4-2 and two. Uh, I did this segment a little bit last year, I'm going to bring it back at the halfway point Rose Bud and Thorn of the Virginia Tech offense we're going to do this on defense for those that have no idea what I just said the Rose is what is working really well the bud is what is blossoming, and it could potentially be great. And the thorn is clearly the thorn in the side. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you, Virginia Tech Offense Edition, what is the thorn, what is the bud, and what is the rose right now at the halfway point so of the, the season?
2: So, thorn first is obviously the the traditional passing game. The smoke and mirrors passing game is is quite good. As long as the Still running working. game is working, right, right, and it'll continue to be that way as long as the running game is working. So, but the traditional passing game, like when when it's third and seven and Virginia Tech drops back, and you know there, it's not going to be some kind of fake jet sweep that they're going to boot off of, and the receivers and r- have to be one in. on one coverage. Uh, yeah, it's just straight up the receivers being better than their opposition, and then Hooker knowing where to put the ball and when to throw it. You know, timing is, is as much a key as anything that's the thorn of the offense and and oh gosh the Rose uh, is
1: the offensive line slash running game the
2: running game um the bud that um, one's hard that one's hard because it's i feel like this offense is kind of like a like the the area that's really really good is is awesome and the area that's not so good is is pretty bad quite frankly May, uh, maybe blackshear we just talked about him yeah maybe you
1: see some potential there. yeah
2: i definitely see some potential in blackshear yeah. for sure yeah. um uh you could also say Hendon hooker there because uh i had that thought too because yeah. he's su- he's such a you know he's he's a dynamic player um he's a he's he's cool and calm like you want from your quarterback um He'd be a complete player if he can improve in the traditional passing game.
1: Yeah, and what's uh what year is he? Uh, junior, junior, but he'll be a junior really next matter, year. Yeah. He's on uh, his
2: first junior season now, so
1: he he's got potential if if he dedicates himself to the weight room and and to and and once he has an actual spring practice, right? You know, and his receivers the are
2: healthy during spring practice. Yeah. That'll be a key. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, it is time for a well-deserved break. We just went 45 minutes uninterrupted talking about the offense. We still have a lot to talk about defensively. How did Virginia Tech defensively improve in the 42-35 win over Louisville on Saturday? We'll step aside for a break. You're watching and listening to episode 147 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by... The Fisher Law Firm.
1: If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than thirty thousand criminal and traffic cases statewide, and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, class of ninety-eight. Let's go Hokies.
0: Welcome back in to episode 147 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It is so great to have you with us as we record on Monday morning, November the 2nd. Tech Sideline Podcast also presented by Southeast Regional Training Center and Campus Emporium. Evan Hughes back alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart and Malcolm Stewart. Let's transition now. We spent nearly 45 minutes talking about the offense. Rightfully so. They put up 42 points in the win against Louisville. Defensively, the Hokies give up 35 points, 548 yards of defense. Chris, what should we take away from the defensive performance in the
2: win on Saturday? Just so much better up front. Um, I know the box score is kind of ugly. It doesn't reflect it. Yeah, yeah, but they're – you know, Brandon Patterson's whole article on about Louisville on Friday talked about how their entire offense is kind of based on that, that zone outside zone play that they run, the stretch play, because they have the type of running back that once he gets running downhill and he gets that angle, he's very, very difficult to stop when you get him in the open field, in that part of the field, as we saw yeah right before half, right? Um But that was the only time he was able to get out there against Virginia Tech. And they tried it a bunch, in particular that third and fourth down play, uh, back-to-back plays that Tech stopped, third and short Mm -hmm. and fourth and short. And they were just never able to get their bread and butter play going. And ultimately, that's probably why Virginia Tech won the football game because if they had gotten that, that play going, then they would have UNC'd Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so specifically, he's what, what he's, where, where all this is headed is talking about how Alan Tisdale defended that outside stretch play, um, and so Chris talked about the, the the defensive front playing better. And Tisdale is a guy that, with his athleticism and size, he's, he's Tremaine Edmonds like in the as, as an inside linebacker, the way he can range from, mm-hmm. you know, he can he can slash through that gap and make the tackle. But you've got – the defensive linemen have got to keep the offensive linemen out of the second level in order for that to be possible. And that's something – I just think that's something we saw in this game that we hadn't seen before was a clean linebacker with the athleticism of Allen Tisdale uh, showing what he can do if you give him a path to the ball carrier. And these ball carriers are not slouches. These guys are fast. Mm-hmm. So that 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 was really encouraging.
2: Yeah, it was definitely encouraging. So I thought the defensive line – Obviously, I I thought from that standpoint, they played their best game. Uh, Justice Reed graded out very, very high. Mario Kendricks had his best game by far. I thought Kendricks looked really active Um, and really good. Yeah, much, much better than he had been playing earlier in the season. Uh, uh, And Ashby. Ashby, Ashby. yeah, I can't even talk. (laughs) Ashby actually graded out higher than Tisdale. By wow. the preliminary grades. Even though
0: actually um, well, he had just five tackles. Right, right. But
1: uh, Tisdale might still be a little shaky in the passing game. Well, like. no,
2: Tisdale had had three plays that everybody remembers. Like a couple of missed tackles and then the Louisville's last touchdown when he lost leverage on the blitz. It was a perfect call to keep Cunningham in the pocket. Yep. Perfect call by Justin Hamilton. And he just didn't stay on he his outside. He went inside yeah, on him yeah, to let yeah, him get out. Yeah, to let him get to the outside. Yeah, so – you can't have that. So but, the potential's there. But the potential's there. But uh and if if you noticed to go back and watch where we lined up where Virginia Tech lined up Ashby, they lined him up four yards off the line of scrimmage. And they had I don't know what they did against Wake, but I know before then they had been lining him up six yards off the ball. And whereas in the past in Virginia Tech scheme he was always lined up about four yards off the ball. You know, I think he's not in good enough shape to line up so far off the ball and be able to run and get there. He's, he's, he's just too heavy right now for that. So I'll, I'll her alignments a lot of times on Saturday seem kind of seemed like Ashby was at the four yard depth back to the old depth. Whereas Tisdale was still back at the six yard depth. Interesting. So our line, the linebackers were kind of staggered yeah. to a certain extent. Ashby had less ground to cover. Um, but, you know, which I think is good for his athleticism right now. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so strange. And it shows what a fine line there is in college football between being good and bad. Such a fine line. They, they played well on Saturday, and they were better against Wake. But on the whole, Virginia Tech's linebackers have not been good this year, right? I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. But I also think most people would agree with the fact that if both guys were 230 pounds, that would be one heck of a good linebacker. <laughs> Tisdale uh, needs to be bigger, t- needs to be smaller. Tisdale's 210, and he needs to be 230. <laughs> Ashby's 245, and he also he needs, to, needs be t- to be 230. 230. Yeah. Right? So if those guys do what they need to do in the off season, Yeah then they have a chance to be a really good combination at linebacker for Virginia Tech next year. Yeah.
0: I want to talk about the uh, defensive line real quick for a moment. I want to highlight Justice Reed. You guys talked about him, but early in that game, you mentioned the stunt earlier in the podcast. I mean, yeah. He was immediately in the backfield, sack, sack Cunningham. We have talked so much about the transfer portal and the job that Justin Fuente did, adding so many pieces on offense like Khalil Herbert. And like uh, Raheem Blackshear, Blackshear yeah. but Will, how big of a get has it been first half of the season having Justice Reed? Well,
1: given the garbage situation, it's 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 been pretty big, you know, and especially and, when he's healthy. Yes, um, and you can see uh, you can see where Virginia Tech's headed with with defensive ends, bigger, taller, rangier guys, you know, and as, as we've talked about before, that's how you defend the modern offense. You get a you get a bigger, taller, rangier guy. You put him on the edge, and he disrupts the passing lanes. It contains these mobile quarterbacks, all that stuff, and that's that's the direction Virginia Tech is headed. It's going to take him a while to get there, and in the meantime, you need guys that can fill that role and and plug the gap on your team. You know, he's he's uh, 35 years old and won't be playing college football next year. I don't know. It'd be wild if he actually he did come back. back. There, right? yeah. yeah, right. it
2: could. He 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 responded to somebody on on Twitter.
1: But like, nah, I'm, I'm not. Nah, I'm done <laughs> after this year. Yeah. I mean, he's 24. you, you got to stop at some point. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> and, and he's like 24 and a half, he's not just 24. He's the Van Wilder of yeah. college football, but he, he's been, yeah. And, and he and he looked so good in that first game. And we heard he got dinged up, and and I uh, and we haven't heard that he's not dinged up now, but he looks I better thought he tonight. did
2: look quicker. Yeah. I, I thought his first step was much, much quicker the other yep. day. Um, and the thing is, uh, he's a seventh year senior, right. He's a seventh-year senior for a reason, because he kept getting hurt. So expecting him to be 100% healthy for every game this year was
1: never realistic. And I remember the the discussion about Ryan Williams, what a great running back Ryan Williams was, but he really only spent one year in high school and college healthy.
2: He had one 1,000-yard season in high school and one 1,000-yard season in college. And those were the only two seasons he was ever healthy.
1: And he got him to the NFL for, you know, however long he was there. Not too I'm long.
2: Actually, it's actually shocking. It actually shows how what they thought of his talent level. Oh, they took him what, in the or, fifth round, right? Maybe the Cowboys? second-round
1: pick. Ooh, a no, cow- Ryan
2: Williams? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a second-round pick, right?
1: If only somebody had a computer.
2: Right, right. if only someone had a computer. <laughs> <laughs> <in the laughs> Look internet. it up. Uh,
1: but, like, I'm pretty sure he was
2: a second-round pick, and even with that injury history.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, injuries are what basically knocked him out of the NFL, right? Oh,
2: yeah. He was never, never yeah. healthy. Yeah, that's a He shame. got drafted by the Cardinals, by the way, Evan. And then went to uh, the Cowboys after the Cardinals. The problem
1: is there's him. a lot of people named Ryan Williams. There's a lot so. <laughs> of people named Ryan Williams.
2: Raise your hand if you are dead wrong on this
0: morning of the Tech Sideline podcast. That's that would what? be Evan Hughes. He was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals in the second round. Oh, uh, let's see player. here. Uh, that, that's amazing. I don't know why I thought he was a fifth-round like anyway. pick. Which say pick. He was on the That's second what round. I'm trying to find. Uh, he was drafted. It just uh, 38th overall, so that's a so, high, high second high round. Second. Pick. Yeah, 32nd yeah. is the so, last pick of the first round. So they so.
2: thought so so highly of his talents that even with his injury history, they they spent. The 38th pick in the draft.
0: And for those
1: yeah. of you who are not dialed in, running backs aren't aren't drafted that high anymore. No. You right.
2: Know? Well, uh, during a
0: preseason game as a rookie, he was injured early in the third quarter in his first run of the game, suffering a ruptured patella tendon in his right knee, pre-season. which cost him the entire 2011 yeah. season. Right. Then in yeah. 2012, he was placed on the IR with a left shoulder injury after playing in only five games. He was released on May 12, 2014. Yeah. So, anyways, not to go down a Ryan
1: Williams tangent, but that's a guy uh, I'd like to talk to. Wonder where he is.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Last, uh, going on the theme of the transfer portal, we mentioned how big Justice Reed's been. How about underrated transfer portal pickup of the off season? <laughs> Devin Taylor, interception <laughs> at safety. No, that's yeah, been great. didn't
2: have a good game, but had a good had a big play. Yes. Um, he was very very reliable. as is the umbrella man? In Texas zone coverage for the previous two games, a um, n- little shakier on Saturday. Um, I think he was supposed to have deep zone on their long on touchdown the pass. Run. It yeah. made Breon Murray look bad, but I'm pretty sure he and Diablo well, had the deep zone. Murray didn't help. Yeah, right. no, but,
1: a lot of things went wrong but, on but, that but, play. But, 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 but I mean, if, if you're the, if the you're guy. the
2: corner i mean you high low a guy the safety has him high and you take him low and, yeah. and if it's overthrown the safety picks it off if, if it's underthrown, you pick it off uh,
1: now are we talking about the 82 the, yard passing player we're talking about the 90 yard touchdown right
2: oh the 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 passing play
1: oh see i was talking about the touchdown run.
2: oh okay uh, i'm talking i'm talking about the <laughs> one where he we was up top on the he had deep safety coverage. okay right okay. Uh, on the on the pass um
1: he was heavily involved in both uh, of Louisville. Yeah, well, of and, course, and, any safety is going to be involved in two long touchdowns. L-
2: Louisville's play. first touchdown, he came out of his zone to help another defender in his zone, but that defender didn't need help. That zone was completely covered. Right. And he just vacated the middle of the field, which gave him a wide-open touchdown. So he, was be- he wasn't he was as good this game as he was his first two, but he right. still played well enough in zone his first two where you know, he can get back to that. Yeah. Um, but you, get- you got to be disciplined in your zone coverages, man.
0: So I want to take a step back and wrap up the defensive discussion with a big-picture question, and then we'll get to Rosebud and Thorn for the defense. Hey, K.
1: before you ask that question, can I say something? We have to have our, our, our weekly – not our weekly, but our typical podcast compliment Dorian Strong moment. <laughs> you go back and look at that 90-yard touchdown run by Javion Hawkins and uh, watch, watch Dorian Strong pursue – uh he didn't have a good enough angle of course it's hard to get an angle on hawkins but watch his pursuit on that play he looked pretty darn fast to me so the, i kind of filed that one away and thought huh so pursuit. for those
0: that weren't listening or watching to thursday's podcast uh mr strong was watching the show so and commented live so i think his mom i, also I, I, did. I put
2: i put his uh Combine camp numbers in a recent article, mm-hmm. so you probably saw them too. But they were really—I think it was something like a four-four-seven. Dang! Well, that, thats wait, what wait, it looked like. It looked fast. Which, by the way, is—that's uh, a really fast time for tech fans. Tech fans back in the day who thought all the tech players actually ran a four-two because four, two that's what something. Virginia Tech said yeah. they ran. No, <laughs> they all ran four-four. I think the school <laughs> record is
1: like a four-one-nine or something like that. I
2: remember. Remember, Keith Burnell ran like a four-two flat. And he wasn't that And then he fast. couldn't outrun, outrun anybody on the field. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So,
0: big big picture question. I want to take a step back. So, Virginia Tech wins 42-35. Before we get to Rosebud Thorn, moving forward second half of the season, give me one word to describe your thoughts on Virginia Tech's defense for the rest of the season.
1: Improving.
2: Improving. Uh one word oh gosh i want to say chris is like should i say liability no 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 (laughs) no i wouldn't say that what's like a synonym a one word synonym for hang on oh it's it's uh, like you get to the second half of the season like I, i agree they're improved uh and they can get better in increments but they are capped to a certain extent this year. So just hang on. Just say persist. Persist. Just persist. (laughs) Just persist in what you're doing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Time to transition now to Rose, Bud, and Thorn. Once again, defensive edition for Virginia Tech. What's the Rose, what's the Bud, and what's the thorn? Six
2: games into the season.
1: Rose is hard to pick. It really is
2: because it's like – there hasn't been like one consistent force on defense this year. Yeah. Um, or if you'd like, I'll audible. How about I'll... two buds and a thorn?
0: <laughs> if you really, right, listen, we can get creative here. You know? All right. We could
1: change the rules. Uh, well, one of the buds is, 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 uh, in in a larger sense what they're doing i talked about a few minutes ago with the taller rangier players and specifically tisdale and barno are examples of
3: that Mm -hmm.
1: and
2: Uh if you want to think about what virginia tech's linebackers will look like in the future now ideally they'll be 230 instead of 210 but think tisdale's athleticism and you can see it in this recruiting class that tech will sign whenever they allow them to sign players Mm -hmm. uh they're all tall, rangy athletes at linebacker.
1: So the Keller kid that just committed, what uh, position is he?
2: Oh, uh, He's like a wide receiver, running back, safety. He's listed at 6'3", 202, but, he, but remember there were no camps this year so that was probably his weight from last season. Yeah, yeah. So he's one of those guys who I think looks bigger and could be bigger than his listed size. Like he might be like 6'4", 210 to 215 right now and he's got one of those big football player necks, Yep, you know? <clears throat> um, so yeah, I would say, my gosh, we were going on a tangent. So the
1: other the other bud would be uh, Josh Fuga, I think.
2: Yeah, I go uh, Fuga and Strong. I was about to say, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, and the Thorn would probably be. Uh, it, I do I, I do think they have some some defensive tackles who aren't great fits for this scheme. But I think the biggest thorn that holds this defense back was the fact that they hardly got to practice before the season started. Yeah. And I don't think people truly grasp how important practice is, especially when you're learning a new scheme. Uh, if practice wasn't important, they'd never do it in the first place. So I don't think they – like, I think they played better the last two weeks because they're just now developing an understanding
1: of what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, the whole the whole COVID situation and its impact on Rayshard Ashby. Oh, you, yeah. You know, we're yes. assuming that, that that is why he is not playing as well as he has played in the past. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the, uh, the preseason all-ACC teams. I think he was the only Virginia Tech first-team player. The only one. Correct. Pre-season. The, this yep. is a guy that they were counting on to be – you know, to use the expression, one of their bell cows.
2: They had, coming into the season, they were supposed to have the two best cornerbacks in the ACC and the best linebacker in the ACC. I know. And one of the cornerbacks opted out, the others hurt, and...
1: And, and the, you know, the linebacker's working his way so, back. Right, yeah. so,
2: I mean, you can't just expect Justin Hamilton to be able to... to uh, it's not a next man up thing, right? You can say use that term all you want, but guess what? Your next man is not going to be an All American like mm-hmm. your first man. That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. Um. So, I think 2020. Uh, I man, honestly, man, the biggest thorn for the tech defense it this is year is coronavirus. in 2020.
0: Yeah. Right. All right, well, I'm actually really proud of the fact that hour five with a, three, a two- or three-minute break in this we're just at about an hour, and we get Malcolm involved here. Time for uh, the questions on YouTube where you get to ask Will and Chris a question on Virginia Tech football, Virginia Tech basketball, or anything else in general. Malcolm, what's going on, and uh, how's the chat looking?
3: Uh, got some good questions today. We'll start with one from Ghostwriter93. Does lack of a spring practice hurt a program like VT more than it hurts a program like OSU, Clemson, etc., one that relies more heavily on raw talent than on long-term player development? I would,
2: I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, not, not it doesn't help those programs for sure, but I think it hurts Tech more because yes, this is at its core a developmental developmental program program and. When you when you don't have a chance to develop your players, then you're, it's taking away your strength, right? Like like if you if you want Hen and Hooker to develop in the passing game, but then he can't practice, how's that supposed to happen?
1: Yeah, to talk about it in an extreme way, who wins in backyard football? The best athletes win in backyard football because right. there's no coaching and no development, right? You know, and 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 the less practice time you have, the more what you're doing just starts to resemble backyard football, right? So that's that's. That, that's a good question, and that's the way we're answering it. It, it definitely hurts a team like Virginia Tech. Right. Great question. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, from Jerome Folks. Hey, is Jerome. Def, is the defense a sign of the new D.C. needing help or something else? Poor tackling, poor angles, and not shutting anyone down is concerning.
2: Uh, I'm actually not, not too – I mean, I'm not happy that – Tech gave up 35 points and all that But I think what we've seen is about What you can realistically expect Considering all the circumstances they faced yeah. um, They're missing the three Players who were supposed to be their three best players This year That was, which is out of the coaches' control um, You have defensive tackles who I mean your starting defensive tackles are 280 and 265 they're only a real Fit for the old scheme right. or They're not a fit for any other college football Scheme quite frankly um, So I uh, I mean, I, I I I wish they'd play better, but I don't think it's realistic for them to play better this year. Yeah, that's my opinion.
1: Um, yeah, you know, what can you say? I just think uh, I think they're bottoming out right now. Not right now, but they may have bottomed out a couple of weeks ago, and then they're they're on the comeback path, and that path could be a couple of years. You know, remember you got a defensive coordinator also is is I don't want to say learning on the job because that's generally regarded as an insult or a negative commentary. But he is only going to get better, and and Justin Hamilton has shown. You know, we we talked about Alan Tisdale and what they did with Tisdale this week. I mean, you know, that, that's that's pretty smart.
2: Yeah, I mean, they well, like, like I said, they had one goal this past week to shut down that outside stretch yeah. play, and they did it. And you know, even other plays like the last Louisville touchdown, it was a perfect call. They just didn't. It was a perfect call to keep him in the pocket. They just yeah. didn't didn't do the play correctly. Um, you know,
1: and he he pulled the plug on on Dax Hollyfield as his starter. Well,
2: Clay's was already doing that, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that was a Clay's thing. I think um, so. But but yeah, um, I, I think I think two of the things that could help the defense is what we talked about earlier. If both linebackers got to two hundred thirty pounds, <laughs> um, so if one could gain twenty pounds and the other could lose fifteen. Yeah. I think that we'd have a really good group of linebackers, but you know, that's something that both of those guys, I think, need to be in a controlled environment in the off season, not at home by themselves. Yeah, they they need to be in this program in Blacksburg, in the strength and conditioning program to to get done what they need to get done.
1: So Jerome, just tie a knot and hang on, man. Yep. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of how it is.
3: All right, from Joseph Kennedy, what recruits, if any, should Tech target to complete the 2021 class strong?
2: If they, see, the thing is, man, we're so busy once the season starts. Outside of Calor committing, I've not paid attention to recruiting. and There, there has been
1: no discussion of recruiting at
2: all. Yeah, there hasn't been. Um, oh, gosh. I, they need to take another defensive tackle in this class.
1: Um Who's the kid? They need to take a defensive tackle in this class. You're right. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> at least one.
2: Uh, gosh, who's the guy from the North, Pennsylvania? Robert Jackson? He's like a six four to six six guy, two hundred seventy pounds. Some think say defensive end, some say defensive tackle. I would take him as a defensive tackle. Um That's right. Uh I'm sure they're they're I am sure they are they are i I think they just they offered a wide receiver commit from Mississippi State. The guy's been committed to Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and but now he says he wants to go out of state, and he's going to visit. Right, tech. right. That's right.
1: His his film is real good. too. I
2: was good. It was good. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, it's a and He's a film. and he's a big receiver. Yeah, which, which technique obviously needs yeah. a big physical catches a ball with receiver. his hands. Yeah, exactly. Um, other than that, I just, I just don't know right now. Um, it's 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 quiet, and plus when the season starts, we're so busy that. Like I don't even have time to.
1: Well, and so one of the things that hasn't happened is there hasn't been that big visit game. Which oh which, right, which this would've... guy's
2: visiting this week, that guy's visiting. Oh, this week. Well, they're bringing
1: in twenty five recruits, and that's, that's, that's not, not happening. happening,
2: right? So you know,
1: so, so so your window into recruiting is is restricted to who's on Twitter announcing they've uh, got an offer, right? Which and, may or may and, not be true. You know, true.
2: we we run two Jason Stame articles per week, and. A lot of the recruits are saying the same thing. They're like, well, I took a couple of visits early in the process, but then they got locked down. I don't know where my recruitment is right now because we're not allowed to visit.
1: And a lot of kids aren't even playing football. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, and some of them are going to play this spring and some of them aren't. And so, yeah, there, there's a whole lot up in the
3: air right yeah. now. All right. We'll do one more also from Ghost Rider 93. Uh, he says, my perception is that J-Ham runs more of an NFL-style bend, don't break, or don't give up points defense. Goal is to limit big plays, play more zone, and DB over the top. Is this because of the talent VT has this year, or do you think this is just J-Ham's preference long term?
2: I think until you get players in there that are fit at all the positions, it'll be a little, kind of hard to tell because he's going to do certain things that maybe he wouldn't do. Otherwise, just because of his personnel now, like you want to try to win games, but you also want to establish your scheme at the same time. And you know, at first he was lining up Rayshard Ashby six yards off the line of scrimmage, which I, w- I would guess would be normal a, depth for a typical Justin Hamilton defense. What he wants defense. to do—that's right. what he wants to do. Yeah. But after trying that for a few games, you know, we saw Ashby lined up four yards off the line this past scrimmage, uh, this this pass game, and. I don't think that's necessarily what Hamilton wants to do, but he's making an adjustment based on his current personnel. Yeah. So you don't know exactly what it'll look like. They bl- tech blitzed a lot this past week. Um, they uh, so it's gonna it's gonna come down to matchups, like. Uh, you know, sometimes I felt like Bud would blitz just for the sake of blitzing, uh, because <laughs> it's what Bud or, does. Or it's just
1: above what Bud does. You know, Bud uh, still gets out of bed in the morning yeah. and like blitzes. Yeah, blitzes, blitzes <laughs> a breakfast table. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he, uh, I think Hamilton, such an interesting background. He played under Bud for one year. Yeah. Um, then he played in the Sabin balachek de- defense in the NFL. So I don't know if you'll be able to sit there and say, "Oh, Justin Hamilton runs this specific type of defense."
1: My my guess is he definitely wants a middle linebacker six yards off the ball who's a little taller and more athletic. Yes. you know, And that's a guy. So if, if you pull Ashby up towards the line and he's only how, – how tall is he? 5'10". 5'10". And you bring him closer to the line, that opens up the middle of the field deep and it starts putting pressure on your safeties and guys like that. Right. So um, that's a pretty tight answer to that question. Yeah,
0: Really good questions. Thought-provoking. Really yep. appreciate everyone for the uh... – The the solid questions. Um,
1: YouTube might be a notch above Facebook in that respect. (laughs) Sorry, Facebook.
0: So I started the podcast off talking about how I wore my uh, blue Michelin man looking jacket today for the first time. I'm going to close today with a I always have Twitter open folks on my computer in case there's any news that breaks when we're on the show. And I'll close with a thread that involves Virginia Tech football players talking about the weather. So Alec Bryant tweeted, "Alec Bryant, yep, my first winner. I don't know how I feel about it with a laughing emoji." And Robert Wooten quoted it and said what he said. Someone responds with, "Y'all know it's sunny and above freezing today, right?" With two laughing well, emojis. Oh boys I say nothing. <laughs> Tyree Showtime Saunders on Twitter: "It's too cold, man." With the uh, a uh, palm and face, face palm. emoji. This is winter weather. And then Trey Turner jumps in. Y'all boys weak, man, with a laughing emoji. <laughs> this is a cool day in Blacksburg. Give it about a month or two, then talk about that weather with a skeleton <laughs> emoji. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, the, the, the thing is, like, some of those guys I know took their visits to Tech in, like, December. Huh. Like Wooten and Alec Bryant, remember they were late. Yeah, they were late. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> Must have been a good Might day. have been a warm. warm uh, what I remember about my freshman year at Tech was the Miami game. 2001 Miami game it oh was on yeah De- it December was on December 1st it was on December 1st and I wore shorts it was like 75 degrees it was in no yeah. but when I camped out for tickets to the game in mid-October um it was like 30 degrees that night yeah so Blacksburg is just it's just a strange strange place uh, those, to those Texas
1: guys just gotta hang in there. they night. gotta
2: <laughs> hang in there persist <clears throat>
0: you know right, or, or,
1: order yourself a, a good coat online and and good pair of boots or or whatever. I I
0: hope they don't have to experience walking across the drill field at 830 in the morning on January, February. There's no in-person classes. All their classes
2: are online this year. (laughs) There's no walking across the drill field. Really, the real answer to that question is, hey, just wait till next year. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) I hope everyone
0: stays warm out there and uh, know that we'll be bringing the heat back on Thursday for episode 148 of the Tech Sideline Podcast when Virginia Tech hosts. Number 25 undefeated Liberty in Lane Stadium. I'm going to ask Will and Chris on Thursday. Does Liberty pose a threat to Virginia Tech long-term on Thursday? You're not going to Long want to miss term. that podcast. Hmm.
1: It's going to be a very- I, will, I will tell you, short-term, the big threat is Virginia Tech. They need to show up ready to play. If if they show up ready to play, I think they'll be all right.
0: Again, the Hokies, get this, open as 16.5-point favorites, and we can talk about it, <laughs> but... Liberty is ranked 25th in the country, and Virginia Tech just received 11 points in the AP Top 25 voting poll yesterday. So, anyways, we get a lot to dive into, but the Hokies hosting an in-state team, their only non-conference game, and it's against a Top 25 opponent. And one interesting note, by the way, Damian Salis points out on Twitter, it's the first time ever that Virginia Tech hosts a team ranked 25th in the AP poll. How about that for a random, interesting stat to close the podcast? So hope you can join us then. That's on Thursday afternoon. It'll be episode 140 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We will preview Virginia Tech and number 25 Liberty as the Hokies look to move to 5-2. But that'll do it for today's recap episode. Virginia Tech knocking off Louisville 42-35. I'll close the podcast with the same final question I always do to Chris Coleman. What's coming
2: up on TSL this week, Chris? Oh, we will have Brandon Patterson breaking down the Louisville game. We'll have Monday Thoughts this afternoon, Mm -hmm. I assume.
1: I will say I'm not sure Monday Thoughts is going to be very good today. I know that's not exactly a sales tool, but (laughs) it's just weird. I was working on it last night, and sometimes you just feel it, and it just goes in a certain direction. But what, what time we got here? It is. 11, 15. It's 1115, 11, 11, 1120. 11, Man, I, I, I got to get on it and get some inspiration.
0: I'm holding everybody back. All right, that'll do it. <laughs> Episode 147 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. A reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the like and subscribe button. Hope everyone can join us on Thursday. That'll do it for us. From managing editor Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Saying so long, and thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 147 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>